The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is friday january 12th 2024 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the mma fighting twitter space you hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network what's going on everybody i am mike heck hope you're all having a fantastic week guess what's happening tomorrow everybody all of you ufc starved fans out there Well, you're going to get fed tomorrow. The UFC returns to the world's most famous apex for UFC Vegas 84. The main event, the rematch, maybe some closure, if you will, between Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. Big fight at 205 pounds. We will preview that fight, and we will preview the entire card on the YouTube channel at 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be myself. Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Bashu, and the man with the greatest theme song in the history of MMA, Mr. New York Rick. We'll have a good time, 1 p.m. Eastern. And I have to say, UFC Vegas 84, not bad. Not a bad card. Are there some squash matches in store for us? Very good chance of that. But the main card is pretty good. We get Phil Haas, Bruno Ferreira. I'm I'm not going to mince words. That fight probably isn't getting out of the first round. If it does, I would be stunned if it gets out of round two. Ricky Simone, Mario Batista, really interesting fight, 135 pounds. We're going to find out if Mario Batista is the real deal. We're going to find out if this guy's for real, for real. And because Ricky Simone's a pretty damn good fist fighter. I know he didn't perform great against Song Yudong, kind of got battered around. Song Yudong's a very good fist fighter. 
So we're going to see what Mario Batista is made of, and we'll see if Ricky Simone can bounce back. The road to UFC 300 continues for one Jim Miller. He will take on Gabriel Benitez. Hopefully he can get in and get out and not take a lot of significant damage so that he can turn around and fight at UFC 300. I'm just not going to mess around here. I'm already going to give you my answer to the next one pick. I'm picking Jim Miller to beat Gabriel Benitez. And even if he doesn't, I'm still going to make the same pick. Uh, It's Jim Miller versus Paul Felder at UFC 300. That is the fight to make. I don't care where you put it on the card. It's a UFC 300-ish kind of a fight. Uh, Co-made event, really good. The rematch between Mateus Nicolau and Manel Kopp. Really good fight. And then we have the Ankaliyev Johnny Walker main event, which could be really good and could be sort of one-way traffic or it could just be a slog. And both of those options are absolutely in play here. So we'll see how that all plays out. So a couple things I want to get off my chest before we go to the callers. This is also a free-for-all Friday. There's MMA fans are seem really mad over these last couple of days, and they seem to be kind of mad at me for a couple of different reasons. Um, one is I have somehow been anointed the defender of UFC 300, that I am the president of the UFC 300 fan club, which is just not true. Oh, you're defending Zhang Weili versus Yan Zhao Nan. How dare you? Oh, you're defending this card. This card sucks. How dare you defend this card? Guys, all I'm trying to say here is slow your damn roll a little bit. We only know five fights right now. We only know five. And if the reports are true, and from what we understand, there's still some things to be decided upon some things that need to happen in order for this to go down six. And if it is true, we're going to get Davis and Figueroa versus Cody Garbrandt, which I like. That's a good UFC 300 fight. That's six fights. You know what that means? We still have nine more fights to go. We still have nine more fights to go. And as I said on BTL yesterday, we could get this entire lineup and just be like, eh, maybe this isn't what we expected UFC 300 to be. Or, Maybe when the next nine fights come out, we say, oh, this is fucking good. This is really good. All I'm trying to say, my friends, is, and this is a very important topic yesterday, and it continued on a BTL yesterday. Just chill. Wait to see what the rest of the card looks like. And look, at the end of the day, we're getting 297, which is solid. Good main event. We get two title fights. 298, really good. 299 is excellent. And I can assure you that by the time we get the entire UFC 300 lineup, it is going to be close to comparable to UFC 299. Are we going to get UFC 200? Probably not, guys. Probably not. And you know why? And this is something I kind of thought about a little more as well. Like, why aren't we getting a UFC 200 kind of a card? Why aren't we getting star after star after star after star after star after star? You want to know why? Because there aren't any. This ain't 2016. They're not all there. And I will say, up until the June fight, if it actually happens, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler should be the main event of UFC 300. It's a no-brainer. It's right there. The return of Conor McGregor? This should be the main event. Conor wants to fight on the card. Michael Chandler, 
God love him, has no say in the matter. It's either you fight on this date or you don't fight at all. Chandler's not going to say no to that. So, yes, is there a part of me that's just like, ah, oh, you kind of dropped the ball here? Yes. By the same token, is, is, is UFC 300 going to be a bad card? No, it's going to be really good. It's going to be compelling fights from start to finish. But I just think our expectations need to be lowered a little bit. Is Dana White a little bit to blame for some of this talk? Yes, he is. Because we could do this a whole different way. It doesn't have to be blockbuster announcement after blockbuster announcement on Instagram. You could drop a poster. If the UFC dropped a poster just randomly on Tuesday night, that Yan Jonan, or Monday night, or Wednesday night, that Yan Jonan was challenging Zhang Wei Li for the strawweight title, would have been like, all right, cool. Did Dana kind of hire the expectation a little bit by saying, hey, I got a major announcement coming up for UFC 300. It's a title fight. You get that? Maybe the expectations were a little bit too high. But look, I'm trying to tell you here that at the end of the day, everybody just relax. This is going to be a good card. It's going to be a good one. By the time we get there, we're going to be like, yeah, this is going to be really good. It's going to be stacked. There's just not a lot of stars, guys. Look at the cupboard. Who's there? Connor's already booked. John Jones is hurt. Is he, maybe he could still fight on the card. But there just aren't a lot of megastars, guys. There just aren't. Brock Lesnar is not in the UFC. He wasn't heading into 200, but then they locked that down a month before. Ronda Rousey's not there anymore. Daniel Cormier is not there anymore. All the big stars that you remember from 2016, the stars that led the company to being sold for $4 billion, they are not there. They're just not. It's a different world, guys. We have to fill 42, 43 fight cards a year. And again, I'm not like fully defending the UFC here. All I'm saying here is let's wait to see what the rest of the lineup looks like before we react to it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. We're early in the process. We're a third of the way there. We still got two-thirds of the way to go. So let's see what happens. And I have a feeling that the main event at next week's pay-per-view is going to have a lot potentially to say about what could headline UFC 300. If Israel Adesanya shows up in Toronto, I think we have an idea of what's going to be happening at UFC 300. Maybe we get Drikas Duplessis as the new champion against Israel Adesanya. You're telling me that's not cool as hell? This whole build last year was to get to Izzy versus DDP. DDP has to chase Izzy. And now DDP could be the champion? And now Izzy has to chase him? That's not a compelling storyline? That's pretty fun to me. Or maybe Sean Strickland goes in there and wins. And then we can put Sean Strickland in that. Because I'm telling you right now, if Sean Strickland goes out there and dusts up DDP, he is going to be so over. So over. Whether you love him or hate him, he is going to be more over than ever if he goes out there and beats DDP. And that's a guy who will turn around to fight a UFC 300. I can assure you of that. Against anybody they want him to fight. He will just say, okay, I'm in. So let's just all relax. Number two. Number two. And I've been getting this for like a month now. And it really filled up the DMs yesterday. Got some Twitter mentions. So I'll just mention this right now. As we were doing BTL yesterday. 
we're talking about UFC 300 and we're throwing out the tampering of expectations conversation. BC is one of those guys that's like, look, this should be the greatest card, one of the greatest cards of all time. This shouldn't be very good. This should be excellent. And all I'm trying to was tell, trying to tell him was like, relax a little bit. What does Nate Diaz do? Nate Diaz just comes out with a very basic tweet that says, I was supposed to headline UFC 200. UFC 300 would be better. Something to that effect. And I quote tweeted it. And I, as I mentioned this on BTL as well. And I was like, here's just a reminder that Nate is very, very good at this. Very, very good at this. And holy shitballs, the amount of DMs and negative comments that I got was unreal. All you guys care about is storylines. All you guys care about are tweets. No one cares that Nate can't fight anymore. Nate Diaz sucks. Nate Diaz was never any good. Now he's worse now. Did you see Nate Diaz fight Tony Ferguson? He looked like shit. Who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Because you want to know something? You want to know what I just mentioned about UFC 300 and the lineup not having stars? Guess what? Nate Diaz is a fucking star. And he ain't in the UFC. And it doesn't matter what his skill set is anymore. It does not matter. The dude just made a floppity jillion dollars to fight Jake Paul in a boxing match. He lost the boxing match. And guess what? Nate Diaz's stock still went up. Still went up. And now Nate is probably going to bite to box Jorge Mazadal and make another floppity jillion dollars. He might lose that fight. And guess what? He will find a way to have his stock rise. Nate is just so good at this. Because you want to know what that tweet did? Guess what? You guys saw the reports. We talked about this on Tuesday. We are all preparing ourselves for a world where Nate Diaz is probably going to box Jorge Masvidal and make way more money, and I mean infinitely more money than anybody that's going to fight at UFC 300. And his stock's still going to rise. And he got people talking. He got people talking. Speculation runs rampant. Ooh, maybe Nate Diaz will be fighting at UFC 300. No, he won't be. And I've been telling you this for a while. Nate ain't fighting at 300 unless they pull just the move of all moves. But I still don't think they're gonna, that Nate's going to do that because why would he? He's a superstar. And he ain't going to get paid like what if he fights at UFC 300. He's got to get paid like a superstar when he boxes Jorge Masvidal, whenever that happens, if that gets all signed, sealed, and delivered. They don't need the UFC guys. He doesn't need them. He doesn't need them. Could the UFC have come together and done Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz at UFC 300? That'd be like the perfect main event for UFC 300. But guess what? Nate ain't going to do it. Because he already knows. Nate is so far ahead of this game right now. So far ahead of this game. You want to know why? Because Conor McGregor only has two fights left on his contract. Conor McGregor is going to go fight Michael Chandler on June 29th. God help us if he doesn't, but I really hope he does. And then things are going to get super weird. Because what's the UFC going to do? Are they going to do exactly what they did with Nate Diaz with the biggest star in the history of the sport? Are they going to bench him? And do this contract negotiation thing where we're just not gonna we're just not gonna have you fight. We're just gonna keep offering you weirdness and you could say no and they'll keep extending your contract and then we'll just ride this out for as long as it takes. Or is Connor just gonna be like, hey, why don't you let me fight now? If you want the chance to re-sign me, like let me just fight. And Connor could go 
and fight that last fight on his deal and the amount of money that he's going to be offered to fight anybody outside of the UFC, including doing the trilogy with Nate Diaz where he can make all the money, and I mean all the money, that is going to be there, folks. That is going to be there. This whole notion that Nate needs the UFC, and I got that a lot yesterday in my DMs, and I was crying laughing, crying laughing so hard. I couldn't breathe for a second. There are multiple DMs that I got yesterday that said, Nate Diaz needs the UFC. No, he doesn't. It's clear he doesn't. He's been trying to get out of the UFC for years. For years. Could he come back under the right circumstances? Sure. The bridge isn't burnt. It's not burnt all the way to the ground. But this notion that he needs the UFC is fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. Nate just knows how to do this. He's very smart. He knows how to drum up any sort of speculation. He's so good at it. Case in point, when he did it before, a couple of weeks ago. But he said, man, UFC 300 would be great, but I got nobody to fight. Like, that is great. He's got everybody calling him out for UFC 300. He's like, yeah, fuck them all. I got nobody to fight. I ain't, I would love the headline, but there's nobody to fight. Nobody wants to fight me. Come on now. And the amount of people that are like, oh, Nate's coming back. No, he ain't. And I tried telling everybody, if Nate actually fights UFC 300, that would shock me. And everyone's like, oh, no, that wouldn't shock me. Trust me when I tell you, it would be shocking if he fights a UFC 300. Nate's just good at it. That's all I'm trying to say. Am I saying Nate Diaz is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the world? No. Does he know how to be a star? Does he know how to drum up speculation? Is he so good at this? Yes, he is. He is very good at this. Nate knows how to make you miss him. He jumps in at the right times. He knows how to do this. He knows how to do it. That's all I'm trying to say. But man, I got crushed for that take. I was like, why Why is everyone so mad? It was hilarious. But that, but that was the one that got me. Nate Diaz needs the UFC. What the fuck are you talking about? Good Lord. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, I'm off my soapbox. I just want to get that off my chest. It's the beauty of the show. Now let's go to you guys and see what you guys have to say about this or anything else you want to talk about, MMA and beyond. Uh, left lane MMA will kick us off on this Friday if the Wheel of Doom Hello. ends. Hello. Yes. Hello, we yes. have you. All right, so I was in the other day and I was talking about how everyone was, of course, I've heard a lot of the shitting on UFC 300 and all of that. And since then... I have, I've got my own YouTube channel, but I've been getting a lot of comments in my YouTube channel of people telling me I'm wrong, but then I've also got some people in my comment section telling me I'm right, and then I've got a few people asking what I would actually do for UFC 300. So I'm going to set the stage here. I'm doing my own sort of BTL tiebreaker of sorts, and I'm going to imagine this takes place. I know they're going to announce some fights before, before then, but I'm imagining we're getting the full UFC 300 lineup post UFC 297 and Dana White's jumping on, let's talk, call it a Tuesday after matchmaking and he's announcing the rest of UFC 300 cards. So I'm going to do my impromptu Dana White announcement. So guys, fight fans, you already know we've got some badass fights for UFC 300. Zhang Weili versus Yan Jianan, Charles Oliveira versus Armin Suyukian. Uh We've got Cody Brundage versus Bo Nickel. Aljamain Sterling versus Kelvin Cater and Alexander Rakic versus Yuri Prohaska. But fight fans, I've got some more badass fights for you guys. We're going to start off with the main event. You already know after last weekend's fight, the middleweight champion of the world is an absolute savage. Just coming off a dominant win. I don't really care who it is. And they will be facing um, Israel Adesanya in the main event of UFC 300. This is a bad blood matchup for the Battle of Africa, if it's Strickland's Duplicy, or a Bad Blood rematch with Sean Strickland. And next, we move to the co-main event. We've got Leon Edwards versus Bilal Muhammad, the highly anticipated welterweight matchup. Uh, moving down the card, we've got two former welterweight title challengers to open up the main card, Stephen Thompson versus Colby Covington. This matchup's got heat on it. It's an incredible, stylistic fight. Striker versus grappler at the highest of levels. That's a badass fight. Next, we move to the prelims, and we've got two former champions, um, Cody Garbrandt versus Davison Figueroa. Another incredible fight. Now, we go to the early prelims, and coming off a dominant finish over Mateus Nicolau last weekend, we've got Manel Cap. He's looking to cement his title shot with one more win, and he's going to look to do it against Kai Kara France. These two do not like each other at UFC 293. Kai Kara France. Uh, sorry, Manel Cap said some questionable things to Kai France in the crowd. Next, we move to the featherweight division, and we've got a banger of a fight between former 
um, lightweight and veteran of the sport, Edson Barboza, in an explosive matchup against Josh Emmett. This is an incredible fight. Someone's going to sleep in this one. Next, we've got a few more. Khalil Roundtree is going to be taking on Jan Blahovic. Hopefully, Jan's not injured. Um, but that's another incredible fight. The Muay Thai on display in this one. Two of the best kickboxers in the light heavyweight division. And finally, you guys know, he's a legend of the sport. He was on UFC 100. He was on UFC 200. And we've got him on UFC 300. Jim Effen Miller. And he's going to be facing off against the Irish Dragon, Paul Felder, in his long-awaited return since his semi-retirement against RDA. That is a badass lineup of fights, guys. UFC 300 is a done deal. Hope you enjoy don't complain. That's my UFC 300 card, Mike. Hope you enjoyed. Not bad. Uh, I, I could see the main event being a thing. Uh, I could certainly see that. Um, Barboza versus Josh Emmett would be fun. I don't know if they would put that on 300, but it would be fun. Jan uh, Blachowicz is dinged up, so he ain't fighting. And after going from Rakic to and then going to Cleo Roundtree, I don't know how much interest he's going to have in that. Wonder Boy, I believe, is dinged up as well. So I don't think that happens. And I certainly don't think Colby is going to be doing the opening the main card slot. I don't think he's going to be the pay-per-view curtain jerker for anybody, even if he gets the Wonder Boy fight, which I don't think he's going to, if we're being honest. I mean, I understood the call out. I don't think he's going to get it. Um. Yeah, I like the Miller Felder idea. I think that's probably what could and what I would what I would do. Oh, we'll just. I mean, that, look, if that's the card, like that's not that's pretty good, right? Like that's that's a pretty good card. All those fights have significance and meaning, but I don't think we're gonna get Blahovich on there. I don't think we're getting Colby. I don't think we're getting Wonder Boy. Uh, I don't think they'll throw Khalil Roundtree on 300. I'd rather, honestly, I would rather see, I would rather see Khalil Roundtree like headline an Apex card at this point. Like give the give the dude a shot. Like that's all he wants. He's, he hasn't said like UFC 300. He just said, hey, in the past, like let me get a main event. So let's just chuck him at a main event. Why not? But not bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. I think Colby, if Ian Gary goes out and just busts up Jeff Neal in February, I honestly, I think the UFC is going to try to do Ian Gary versus Colby Covington on that Conor McGregor card. That's what that, that would be my guess. That's how I would book it. But we'll see. Uh, let's go to Eric. Eric, go ahead. Uh, that, okay. Hey, hey Mike, happy to see you. But what you said about that Nate Diaz and my stuff, but that's going to be good. And uh, I don't think Nate Diaz needs UFC, bro. I just don't. And uh, the the I think the Walker and the Aguilera fight is going to be good. I hope it doesn't end up and like have a last time. I think somebody has to win and move up to the rankings. Thanks, guys. Yeah, the, the, that, that whole notion that Nate needs the OC is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Trust me when I tell you, I was, I don't get on the road too often, but when I, the last like, 
I'd say like three out of the last like five times I've been on, I've been asked to cover an event or have gone to cover an event. It was a Jake Paul fight, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley too. I did the Andre August thing, which is kind of refreshing, honestly, compared to the other ones. Cause there was, wasn't a ton of media there. It's just like, okay, this is kind of cool. Uh, but I was in Dallas for the Nate Diaz fight. Uh, there was not an empty seat in the entire building, not one. And that place was electric. And you want to know who they were all electric for? They were all electric for Nate Diaz. They all want, were, they were all there to see Nate, all there to see Nate. And I'll tell you another story. When I covered Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley two in Tampa, Nate Diaz was there because Chris Avila was on the card. And he, he, I think he boxed uh, Anthony Taylor that night. And Nate was there with his team. The, I mean, it was just unreal. It was like stunning to see how over he was. How many people stopped that man to take pictures? How many people wanted to be around that guy? I mean, lines and lines of people all wanted to be around Nate Diaz. It was crazy. They had to shut down areas so that him and his team could get just get a beer. Because, like, the dude could not walk around. He could not go anywhere without a mob of people being around him. It was friggin' insane. And that's a crowd where, like, it's more of, like, more of a casual fight fan crowd where I felt a thousand because I would see people lining up to take photos with people. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And it would just be, like, a young influencer on social media or a TikTok star or a, a kick streamer or something i'm like i don't know who i don't know who any of these people are like literally none and then like the island boys showed up and got booed out of the building which i thought was hilarious but none of the people got anywhere near the attention that nate got and it was like that moment like i always knew nate was a star but it was that night where i really got to see it like literally every single person in that building knew who nate was and there aren't a lot of people who have competed in the sport who who can say that they really can't they really can't there's a few but there aren't a lot that could just go to a Jake Paul boxing match and just walk around and every 15,000 people all know who you are and all are lining up to get a picture with you it's crazy dude it's freaking nuts ankle eye of walker god i hope it's a good fight i really do i really really do this fight cannot go to the cards. It, I, I, can't, I can't take it. I can't take it. This fight needs to be explosive. We need to get somebody out of there within two or three rounds. That's what we need to see. I'll tell you what. Magomed Ankalaev wants a title shot anytime soon. He better If he wins, he better finish Johnny Walker. Or I don't think he's getting it. If he does what he did against Tiago Boises, even though it was a dominant performance, the UFC is not going to give him a title shot. And Johnny Walker hasn't been on their on their on their nice list either after the Anthony Smith fight. So if he's going to win, he needs to go out there and finish Magomed Ankle Live as well. So it is very imperative that the winner of that fight gets a finish and does it in exciting fashion if they want to get a title shot. And guess what? The timing is there. The timing is there because we don't know when Jamal Hill is coming back. All indications, conversations I've had. Looks like Jamal will be ready to start training probably in like May-ish, uh, maybe late April. But then he's got to like kind of get his shit together, make sure that Achilles is holding up. He's got to go through a camp, all that. 
So you probably won't see Jamal until like the summer. Best case scenario. And I don't think you want to wait that long for Alex Pereira. So maybe a, a good performance gets gets a shot before then. Who knows? So a lot on line in that fight. A lot on the line. Four quarter sports. Go ahead. Hey Mike. So I a couple things. One, um, I think it was pretty quick that they ended up hiring uh, Gerard Mayo as your uh, new New England head coach. I, I'm interested to see how that's going to go about um, for your Patriots next year. Um, I feel like people, like you have, they're very impatient for UFC 300. I feel like it's being talked at nauseum. And, I mean, I have a feeling that we're probably going to get, you know, major announcements by the ending of next week. Like, I'm sorry, um, after what's it called, UFC 297. And I know some people were shitting on UFC 297, but this is what happens when you try to stack up multiple cards back to back to back. You know, you're, you know, I feel like UFC 297, in my opinion, is actually pretty decent uh, of a card um, that you're going to be able to provide for Toronto. Um, what I did want to talk about was um, the the fact of uh, Marino versus uh, Roy Voltu. I'm actually more intrigued in that main event as opposed to what they were going to provide um, for um, Marino versus uh, Albazi. But, like, uh, this is going to be more fan-friendly um, fan of a fight as opposed to Albazi because I feel like Albazi would just try to be, make it a little bit more technical um, as opposed to as opposed to having Roivo because now we might actually see Roivo go back to, you know, what got him to getting a title shot as opposed to what we saw against him fighting Alexandre Pantoja, just because I feel like that wasn't the real Roy Vol that we ended up seeing. And if he fights like that against Marino again, then I'm going to favor Marino. But, you know, whenever Roy Vol goes into, you know, his spurts of, you know, chaoticness, I feel like, you know, it's always a 50-50 fight. And, you know, usually uh, Roy Vol lands in the, in the favoritism when it comes to these 50-50 type of fights. So, um, who do you favor um, in that New Mexico um, main event? And lastly, what what card? Not naming a pay per view, right? So that has already been announced for the first quarter. Are you looking forward to most? All right, thanks, Mike. Uh, not pay per view. Let's see. I do think like. Mexico City looks pretty good right now. I mean, that's pretty. It's a pretty good one-two punch right there for Mexico City. You got uh, Marina Royval too, which I'll get into in a minute. Uh, we got Yair versus Ortega too. I think Saudi Arabia is gonna get is gonna get things are as Jim Ross likes to say, business is gonna pick up for Saudi Arabia. They're gonna load that thing up. They're gonna load that thing up. Atlantic City is looking pretty good. We don't have a, a main event just yet. I know there's things being discussed uh, that I'm told I can't really reveal because it's far away, uh, and I don't want to break any trust. But there are there is a main event being discussed right now. Um, so we'll see if that comes to fruition. But yeah, Mexico City looks pretty good right now. I, I'm intrigued to see what Saudi looks like, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Uh, the Marina Royval fight. Like, look, I like the fight. It's our, 
I do agree with you. Like the chance for a car wreck is probably there more so than the Elbazi fight. But man, I want to see Moreno fight somebody that I haven't seen him fight before. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, trust me when I tell you, I'm not complaining about this fight. If fight is going to be insane. And to answer the other part of your question, we saw crazy Brandon Royval against Brandon Moreno and Moreno won that fight. Did Royval get injured in the shoulder and all that stuff? Yes, but that was crazy Brandon Royval and Moreno was looking pretty good even with up until the injury. So I do, I do favor Brandon Moreno. Uh, I think Royval going from Pantoja, getting ready for his first title fight to then going to Mexico city to fight the hometown hero uh, in a place that is pretty wild, as we saw the last time they were there, it's going to be pretty crazy. So I like the fight. I kind of want to see Albazi. I kind of want to see the Albazi one just because it's different. And I kind of want to know how good Amir Albazi is. I want to know if he's, if he's the real real. Because unfortunately, and look, I know we can't control injuries and things, shit happens. It's MMA, injuries happen, you're in the gym and you're punching each other in the face and like shit happens. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, he's okay and he can bounce back. But man, I think this hurts him big time. And it's not really fair, but I think it hurts him. I think he, he's not going to be the kind of it. He's going to end up being sort of, at least in the interim, almost an afterthought in this title picture. Because if Benel Kopp goes out there and beats Mateus Nicolau, he jumps over Amir, uh, Amir Albazi for sure. And if the reports are true that you're seeing out of Japan and they bring Kyoji Horiguchi back, that's another guy that probably jumps over Albazi as well. Not to mention the other killers we have coming up, the Muhammad Bahayevs, the Tetsuro Tyras, etc. So the timing of this injury could not be worse for Amir Albazi. Uh, hopefully he could turn around and get better, but I have a feeling this division and what it is right now, it's got to kind of pass him by a little bit and could be tough scenes for him. Could be tough scenes. But I like the Moreno Royval fight. And then looking at 297, uh, let's pull up 297. Look, you got a main event with so much heat on it that that's going to that's gonna do the heavy lifting. John Strickland and Drinkus Duplessis, especially when they start doing media days and press conferences, they're probably both going to say some pretty ridiculous shit, uh, and that's it is what it is. And that is going to build like crazy. You have a second title fight, which is just kind of there. At this point, Neil Magny, Mike Malott has star potential for sure. He's fighting Neil Magny, Chris Curtis, Marc-Andre Burial, very middleweighty, but kind of exciting. Marc-Andre Burial has been really fun as of late. We're getting Arnold Allen versus Bob Zarevloyev, guys. That fight fucking rules. That rules. I am like, honestly, like DDP and Strickland is just going to be fun to watch. But honestly, I am so intrigued by Arnold Allen versus Mavzar Avloyev. Cannot wait for that fight. That's a pretty solid main card. We got Brad Katona, Garrett Armfield, which I think was an Otno pick of mine. Love that. Charles Jordan, Sean, Sean Woodson should be fun. 
Sergei Sadai versus Ramon Tavares, Jillian Robertson, Pollyanna Viana. Look, there's a lot of Canadian representation on this card. And let's not forget, the last time they were there was a two, which card was that? Two eighty. It was June 289? 289. Not the best looking card on paper, but I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun watching that card. That was a fun watch. And I think this will be similar. So this is like, this is the table setter. And then something else we talked about on BTL yesterday. I have a feeling outside of like injuries and like things they can't control. This is going to be a year where we go on preview shows, heading into pay-per-views and and big events where we're going to be saying far less than we did in 2023. Yeah, this one's not very good. This one's not very good. I don't think we're going to get a lot of that this year. Are we going to get a lot of that with the Apex cards? Yes, but that's just the world we live in. But when it comes to pay-per-views and big events and the road show, I don't think we're going to have a lot of preview shows that are like, yeah, this one's not that good. It's a big year for the UFC. It's a big year. This is, this is their contract year. This is their TV deal year. This is the year where they have to put their best foot forward when they start shopping this TV deal. They're going to they're gonna bring out the best they could possibly bring out. So, and it start 297, like, this is the, hey, we miss you. Like, we don't give a shit what you put on there, but they have a main event that's going to carry it so far. But then look at 298, super good card. 299 is awesome. 300, if we could reel in our expectations a little bit, I think we're going to like 300, and then on and on we go. So, yeah, it's going to be a big year for the UFC. A very, very big year. And then Gerard Mayo, we'll see what happens. Mike Vrabel's there. I can't believe they didn't hire Mike Vrabel, but we'll see what happens with Gerard Mayo. I like him. I like him as a player. Uh, he's been a very good linebacker coach. Like, dude, Patriots defense, you can say what you want about how bad they were. Uh, Patriots defense pretty good. Their linebacker course pretty good. Uh, and Gerard Mayo is a big part of that happening. So uh, players seem to respond to him. They seem to like him. Bob Kraft has a lot of trust in him. Sees a lot in him. Always has. So... We'll see how they draft, and we'll see how they look next year. But I think it's gonna, we're going to be rebuilding. I saw somebody say, oh, man, for the first time, the Patriots are going to understand what it's like to be in the mud. Uh, we've been in the mud. Trust me what I tell you. Before, this, before we had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells, we were in the mud. We were, like, deep in the mud. We were in a worse position than we're in now in the mid-'90s, and I was there for all of it. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun, but we're not as bad as we were back then, I can assure you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, go ahead, Average Avenues. G'day, g'day, g'day. How you doing? Good. So, um, Michael Van Page was um, talking about um, his aspirations after if, should he beat uh, Kevin Holland. He was already talking title shot. Uh, realistically, how far do you think he is away from that? Because I think he would have to win, obviously, more more than just the one. And I think that this card, this upcoming card, is sort of being overlooked with all the news of 300. I just want to hear your, your opinion on a fight or two. Thanks. Have a good day. For, for, for tomorrow? This upcoming USA card, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. I honestly, I think this card's pretty good. Like we have seen far worse Apex cards than this, but I like I like the main card a lot. I like Phil Hosburner Ferrer. Someone's going to sleep. Ricky Simone, Mario Batista is good stuff. I have questions. I've had questions about Mario Batista. Uh, I think he's good. I think he's looked good, but he hasn't fought. He fought Damon Blackshear, who was good, and Damon had success, but also Damon fought twice in a week. After the twister, he turned right back around after Cody Garbrandt got digged up. And so we haven't seen Mario fight like legit dudes yet. I mean, he fought Corey Sandhagen in his debut, but that was also like on a week's notice or less than a week's notice. But he's on a good run right now. Jay Perrin, Brian Kelleher, Benito Lopez, Guido Canetti, Damon Blackshear. Like, Bantamweight's a good division, it's very deep. But this is his first like true test, like full camp preparations, super athletic guy. Ricky Simone has Ricky Simone has a has a style that can really, really frustrate Mario Batista. If he can get takedowns early and often, it's going to be a long night for Mario. If he gets at, out athletics, and Ricky's the far better athlete, uh, no disrespect. But Ricky is going to be the far better athlete against most Bantamweights. But if this turns into like a battle of who's more athletic, Ricky's going to win that every time. So Mario has to be almost perfect to win this fight. Uh, so I am looking forward to it. Jim Miller is always must-see TV. Dude just trying to get in and out of there, which I appreciate. Uh, Nikolau Kopp is a great fight. And then the main event's got, got high stakes. Like there's high stakes and storylines to a bunch of these fights or we're going to see someone get knocked out. We're going to see a lot of finishes on this card, I think. I'm very excited about Tom Nolan making his debut. Very, very high on him. Fareed Basharat, Taylor Lapolis is flying super-duper under the radar. Uh, This is a really good fight. I know Basharat has been kind of ballooning as a favorite throughout the week, and maybe that's changed. I haven't looked at the lines that much, but that's a really fun and interesting fight at 135 pounds. Marcus McGee's look great. It's not bad. Like there have, like I said, there have been far worse Apex cards than this one. So I do like, I do like it. Right Hello. Yeah, just wanna, yes, yeah, yeah. Just one. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, so I want to discuss a little bit about Aljamain Sterling. Um, you know, I'm just curious on your thoughts. Um, how far do you see him going through the featherweight division in general? Um, and 
do you think he can definitely win some fights in convention, uh, convincing fashion? You know, because for me, in my opinion, um, the way I look at it, I think Aljamain Sterling has a lot of potential to do quite well at 145. But however, based off some of his words from his recent interview where he said he's done with 135, I kind of have my doubts a little bit just because I feel um, this fight with Kato could low-key be a dual bust in terms of him wanting to get still being that title picture. However, if he does do um, successfully well against Kata, and let's say he gets in a matchup with the winner of Yair or Ortega, or maybe he fights, you know, I guess the loser of Volk and Elia, I, and he can win those fights as well, I would definitely love to see him fight for a title one last time. Because we've seen in the past, you know, people like Jose Aldo do very well at 135, or, you know, um, Rafael dos Santos, he did very good at, when he had that beautiful run at um, one seventy, you know, twenty seventeen, twenty nineteen. So I'm really curious to know um, what your thoughts are on that. And if if you agree with anything I said there, that's all I have. Have a great day. Uh, thank you, sir. Of course, the landscapers are coming right now, as they typically do. Um, Sterling, it's hard to say. Like I think this is excellent matchmaking. This is excellent matchmaking. I think Sterling is going to kick himself a little bit because I think he should have called for Max, like for Max Holloway from Jump Street. Like this whole thing, like I should get a rematch with Sean O'Malley was ridiculous. There's not one person on this planet who thought Aljamain was going to get a rematch with Sean O'Malley, except from Aljamain Sterling and maybe some of his teammates. And I bet even some of his teammates were like, dude, what are you doing? You know you're not going to get this fight. And if he really wants this fight, with Sean, he needs to win the featherweight title. It's the only chance he has at fighting Sean O'Malley again. So that's why I said, like, right after he lost the belt, like, go all in on Max. Like, this is the fight. And he eventually got there, but it just took him too long. And now he's fighting Calvin Cater, which, if he's not getting Max, this is the, this is the fight. This, to me, is the fight. We're going to see how good Aljamain Sterling can be at 145 pounds. Because, look, Calvin Cater is very, very good. Uh, he's very underrated, I think. He's a big-ass featherweight, too. So he's going to be the bigger dude. It's has him, Honestly, like, Aljo is usually the bigger guy uh, or the more, you know, svelte and built guy, but he's going to be the small guy in this fight. Uh, Calvin Cater is very underrated wrestling. And Calvin can crack, man. He can crack. I like this from a stylistic perspective, and I think we're going to get a ton of answers about Sterling's featherweight future with this fight. So if Aljo wins, go all in on Holloway again, see if you can get it, and then try to find your way into a title fight. But as we know, the relationship between the UFC and Aljamain Sterling has not been a great one. So as I said when this whole featherweight thing started, if he lost to Sean O'Malley, like this could be a very long road for Aljamain Sterling – they might make him work really hard to get to a title fight. Uh, so I think this this fight with Cater and the performance, it's et cetera. Like if he goes out there and just finishes Calvin Cater, like that's the best thing he can do. If he goes out and grinds out a 29-28 decision in a fight that we're not going to go back and watch again, he's probably going to have to fight like Arnold Allen, like the Allen of Loyov loser, and then kind of make his way up to some of the bigger names. So – yeah, this fight's going to be really interesting, and I think we're going to get a, 
I think we're gonna have a lot of answers about Aljamain Sterling at 145 after this one. Uh, we got three people waiting. We'll get to all three of you, and then we're gonna get out of here. So Barbarusa, then we'll go to Huncho, then we'll go to Ani. Barbarusa, go ahead. Um, hi, Mike. I just want to ask you about the UFC 300. Uh, they announced uh, Zhang Weili against Yan, and uh, there is a lot of talking about uh, Bilal against uh, uh, Edwards, and the main event, like uh, Jud Michaud said, it could uh, very much be uh, Adesanya against either Pereira or the winner of uh, uh, the next uh, main, uh, the next pay-per-view. Um, don't you see that the UFC are doing the risk with three title fights that all of them could go the distance, especially that uh, Leon Edwards and Bilal are not known, known for finishing the fights. And Izzy, as of late, maybe he had exciting fights, and but it's not a guarantee. And uh, even uh, Yan against Zhang Weili, they finish fights, but it's uh, they have gone through decisions more than uh, finishes uh, as of late. Um, and especially it's the 300, it should be that a night that shocks the world and bring new fans. I think it's uh, a risk. I don't know um, if the UFC is really uh, ready to take it. And uh, I want to ask you about John Jones. Do you think uh, in the nego negotiation with the UFC, he said, I just want to take out the people who Francis took as a champ uh, in the title fight, and I don't care about the division. I don't know, because he's fighting the same guys who uh, Francis fought, and he, after that, you say, I, I didn't run away from Francis because I beat the same guys he beat, and I beat them faster, and that's it. Thank you, Mike. Um, so 300, yeah, I mean, look, it is risky putting three title fights on, but I mean, what do people want? Do you want a card that breezes through and there's a whole bunch of finishes, or do you want a card that's stacked on paper? That's what, like, fans need to figure out for themselves. Do you want a stacked card on paper with a million title fights with all the big names, or do you want, like, a card that's fun to watch but still has, like, th that are, like, really fun and entertaining matchups? You can't have it both ways. Sometimes you can, but oftentimes you run into the risk of having three title fights and they all go the distance. If it's DDP Izzy, I have a hard time believing that one's going the distance. Strickland maybe, but I don't honestly I think Zhang Wei Li Yan Jianan is is a good fighter. She's looked good. I think Zhang Wei Li is gonna finish Yan Jianan. I I really do. I really do. Leon Bilal. May not get a finish there, but I don't know. I, Yeah, you're playing with fire, but, I mean, this is what people want. They want all the title fights and all the glamour and glitz of all of it. And then if it happens and we get three decisions, people are like, oh, this card sucks. Like, make up your mind. Do you want just, like, a bunch of fun fights? You want Brock Lesnar? Or do you want this? So you have to kind of figure out what you want. And if it doesn't deliver in, in the way you were hoping, like, what are we going to do here? You know, that's why I'm saying, like, we have to manage our expectations across the board. We're five fights in, maybe five and a half if the Garbrandt Figgy fight goes through. Let's see what the rest of it looks like. And then we can judge it and 
pick it apart if we want or praise it or shit on it, whatever you want to do. But let's let's get the next nine or ten fights on the books and then we could start having those conversations. Then we could start having those conversations. And then the John Jones thing, look, John's been pretty guys. John has been pretty clear about what his roadmap is from Jump Street. Go fight Serum, go fight Stipe, and then I'm going to ride off into the sunset. Maybe he retires. I've always said if he fought Stipe and won, he's at least taking a break to see if somebody comes along that can entice him with a big money fight. And I do think Tom Aspinall could be that guy. Problem is, Tom is not that guy right now. He's on the way to becoming that guy. He's just not that dude yet. So, and here's the other thing about John, guys. He's hurt. He's had two surgeries. He's going to be out for a hot minute. Like, I know Jed is spearheading this Gaslight John Jones campaign, and it's got, it's got legs on it right now. But let's see what happens. Maybe John, like, during his recovery is like, fuck Steve, I'm going to fight Tom Aspel instead. I don't know if that happens. I think he's going to be the prize fighter and fight Stipe first, but maybe he does fight Tom. And if you're Tom Aspinall, like, dude, stop talking on Twitter and fight. Like, go fight. Tom needs to fight. He needs to fight multiple times this year. Whether John is around or not, Tom Aspinall needs to stay busy, and he needs to act as if his title is the real belt. That's what he needs to do. Fight Cyril gone. Fight the Jelton Almeida Curtis Blades winner. Hell, Fight Derek Lewis at UFC 300. Who cares? Just get out there and fight and just say, this is the real belt. John, you got the fake belt. I'm the one out here fighting. He ain't. I'm the one defending titles in this division. He ain't. That's how you get John. What he's doing now is not going to get him John. But no, I don't think he's like, well, I'm going to do what Francis did better. I just think he's going to try to make money and do stuff. Hancho, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, I was just looking at UFC 299 on Tapology, And honestly, it's one of the most stacked cards I've seen in a long time. And I just wanted your opinion on what, what do you think the main card, like the final main card lineup will be? Uh, they could easily do like a six-fight main card. But, I mean, I highly doubt they would ever do that. But what's your opinion? Thanks for everything you guys do. Thanks for pushing out the content. All right, bye. Thanks, man. Uh, let me take a gander here. I mean, we know what the first two fights are going to be, or the, the last two fights, that is. We're going to get Cheeto, Mali, and we're going to get Poirier, BSD. Um... I think we'll get I think we'll get Kevin Hall and MVP on the main card. We'll probably get we know how the UFC loves heavyweights. I bet the first main card fight is going to be Curtis Blades, Jelton Almeida. Then I think we will get Do we do the Gilbert Burns JDM fight is the one I'm torn on. I think they'll go Gilbert Burns JDM. 
Then we'll do Holland Page. Then we'll do Poirier Santini, and then O'Malley Vera. I think. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of options here. Piotr Jan Song Yidong could be the feature prelim. I think Caitlin Chukagian, Macy Barber is a very good prelim fight. Touche Gamera RDA is a very good prelim fight. They will probably put the Spain and uh, Parisian on that ESPN prelim as well because I think they really want to push him. They think they have something with him. And uh, Despane, or however you pronounce his name, is uh, he's 35 already. So if they're going to make a move with him, they gotta kind of have to do it now. But yeah, I mean, look, they are uh, they're pretty sp- the Miami faithful and fight fans pretty spoiled with this one. This thing is loaded. This could go a number of ways, but that's my guess. That's a good question. We'll see how this all plays out. All right, let's continue on. We got about five more minutes. Uh, we got three people waiting. I'll try to get to as many as I can. Ani, go ahead. You again. Hope you're well. Um, so. F- this is a free for all Friday. So uh, I just wanted to go back to the question I asked you a couple of weeks ago about uh, fasting. So if I were to give it a go, do you think it's good if I start off with a 24 hour fast and then see uh, what happens? Um, Do you want me to ask the other questions or do you want to answer this first? Go ahead. You, You can ask the other question. And the other one is not a question per se. I think it's, um, I'm just trying to figure out who can headline the UFC Saudi Arabia uh, fight night card because they said it's a fight night. Um, Of course, there will be fighters from Dagestan and Russia and from Saudi Arabia if they have any. But one thing that I've often observed is whenever it's time for UFC to, you know, uh, dip their toes into new waters, just like their first ABC card or their, you know, um, you know what I mean? So whenever there is this really, uh, you know, um, event with a spotlight, but it's not as big as a pay-per-view, I think the person they usually look at is Max Holloway. And I think they might have Max Holloway headline that maybe against uh, the winner of, no, not the winner of Sterling and Cater. I honestly, this might be a hot take, but I do not want to see Aljamain Sterling versus Max Holloway. I don't know. It just doesn't excite me very much. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but it's not an exciting fight. Um, I'd rather see Max Holloway versus Josh Emmett. You know what I mean? Or Max Holloway versus the winner of Movsarev Loev and Arnold Allen. I mean, better if Movsarev Loev wins. Uh, so I think they usually rely on Max Holloway because he brings it uh, every single time. So I think we might see Max Holloway in uh, Saudi Arabia. And about the Atlantic City, I know you're not supposed to reveal anything, but can you just mention what weight class uh, it is? Yes, that will be all uh, from me. Uh, no, I will not mention which weight class it is. Uh, I will give no more. Uh, it's it, it's too early. It's too early in the process. Um, and look, we've we've run into this before. It's very important to get everybody on, like everybody confirming before you report things, um, and everybody on the same page. We've, we've run into this a lot lately. We've run into this a lot lately. 
We saw Amanda Hebas versus Rose Namajunas reported. It's not done. Like it's too. It was too. It's too early to report that fight. Could it happen? Sure. Is it done? No. Are we even at the stage where both fighters have said yes? I'll do this. No, we're not there yet. That's why it's not on the website. We ran into this as well with uh, Norma Dumont and Irene Aldana. That fight was reported as done. Was not done, which is why now Irene Aldana is saying. Not Irene Aldada, uh, Norma Dumont is saying she's fighting Jermaine Durandamy now because that fight wasn't done. It is important to have everything in place before you report things. Uh, and I don't even want to tease it at this point because we're not quite there yet. So um, if that fight comes to fruition, if I get more information, I get the go-ahead, then I will tell you guys, um, honestly. Maybe we do Max in Saudi Arabia. I don't know who he's going to fight. And if, look, I, I, I completely disagree with the Mob Zeravoy of Arnold Allen pick because we just did Arnold Allen versus Max Holloway. I told you why I didn't like that fight. And now Arnold Allen is not fighting for the belts. Now he has to fight Mob Zeravoy. And if Mob Zeravoy goes out there and beats Arnold Allen next weekend and he is favored to do so, and I'm picking him to do so, and now he has to fight Max Holloway? Why? He, dude, should be fighting for the title. If he goes out there and beats Arnold Allen, he should be fighting for the belt. If Alexander Volkanovsky beats Ilya Teporia, then the next fight for Volkanovsky should be Mavzarov Vloyev. That is the fight to make. I don't want to see Vloyev go from Arnold Allen to Max Holloway at all. Give him the title fight. 1,000%. Now, if Ilya Teporia wins, different story, because you're probably, probably going to get a rematch. Things could get a little hairy in that sense. So if I'm Marv Zervaloyev, step one, you beat Arnold Allen. And step two, you better kind of hope that Alexander Volkanovsky wins. Uh, and then that's probably his shortest path to the belt. Fasting, look, I just went right into the 72-hour fast. That's kind of how I roll. I just dive right in. Uh, I don't dip my toe in the pool. I just do a cannonball. So that's, that's how I do it. Um, all I'll say is no matter how long you do it, it is important to, to do two things. One is exercise. And two, be super busy. Super duper busy. Don't even think about it. Just pick a stretch of time where you know you are going to be running around like a madman. And that stretch of time, you, I promise you, it'll be super easy. But if like you're, there's a lot of downtime, you're sitting around, and you're not doing anything, you're going to be thinking about wanting to eat. So stay busy and go to the gym. The two best pieces of advice I can give you. Uh, Parko. Hey, what's going on, Mike? So, you know, the majority of the top 10 of Bantamweight is booked, uh, you know, excluding Corey Sanding. And so I'm really curious to see, you know, at least tell me who would you like to see him fight next? Because, the, I mean, the Umar matchup is awesome. I mean, I would love that, but... You know, that already, we already went through that process. It didn't work out. And I think it'd be kind of, you know, shitty if he didn't get, you know, a higher ranked opponent after, you know, everything he's done for the company uh, recently. So first question will be, who would you like to see Corey fight? And then uh, second question, kind of a bonus, which unranked fighter uh, do you see making a big splash in 2024 that could become champion <clears throat> within the next couple of years? Thank you, sir. Uh, it's Umar for Corey. That's the fight. 
Uh, I think that's the best fight for both guys right now. Honestly, and I think I think honestly, if Corey goes out there and beats Umar, he has a very good chance of getting a title shot. Because I think that would entice Sean O'Malley to be like, all right, like now I can fight this dude. And I think Corey's kind of in play for him anyways. Because I think Sean would kind of like that test more so than Umar or more so than a Marab. But we'll see how it plays out. But I, I, I want to see them try the, the Umar fight again. And we'll go from there. Because Corey went out there. Corey was banged up. Corey was already dinged up anyways, and he ended up fighting Rob and still won. Wasn't a memorable performance. Dude was super injured. So I would rather see them both like ready to go, fully healthy. That's that's the one I want to see. That's the one I want to see. Uh, let me just make sure. Let me just look at the rankings real quick. I'll go off the UFC rankings to answer this question. I think I already have my answer. Pretty sure I have my answer already, but I just want to make sure he's not already ranked. Uh, it is Ikram Alaskarov with a bullet. This is going to be a big year for him. I think he's going to beat Anthony Hernandez. And I think I think that man is going to be a problem. I think he's going to be fighting for the middleweight title. I don't know if... God. I think by the end of 2025, he gets title shot. Like, I think that's the kind of year he's going to have. I don't think he's going to get, like, hums out of tension but I think he's going to be pretty close. I think he's, I think people are going to look at him like they look at Shafkot right now. So I'll go with Iker Malaskarov. All right, we'll go rapid fire. I got two more people waiting, Heretic and Serb, and that is it. Then I got to go. Uh, Heretic, do we have you? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi, Mike. It's a quick one. What can we expect from uh, Henry versus Mirab? Keep in mind, it's a three-round fight. It will be quick. Thank you. I am. I am. I am oddly fascinated. Not oddly. I'm. I, I'm very intrigued by that matchup because there's a lot of people who feel like Mirab is just going to kill Henry Cejudo, and I don't know if that's true. Like, I would probably pick Mirab. But there's a lot of people who are, have had the take that Barab is just going to run this dude over and run him out of the building and run him out of the sport. And I just don't know if that's true. I think Barab wins a... I think Marab wins a tight decision in a fight that is... Probably not great, but I don't know. Honestly, it's one of those fights where I'm just kind of like, I have no idea what's going to happen. But yeah, I like it. I don't. I, I think it's going to be competitive, a lot more competitive than people think it's going to be. But I will pick Marab to win a tight decision, eke it out, if you will. Uh, Serb, take us home. Hey, Mike. Happy Friday. I uh, loved all the year-end content. Um, I just checked in. Sorry if someone already asked. But uh, your thoughts on the Gerard Mayo hiring? And if not, I've been seeing all over Twitter uh, for Mike Vrabel as a landing spot. Atlanta. You got uh, Bijan Robinson there. Big playmakers in London and Pitts. But um, thank you for all the content. Hope the new year went well for you. And uh, yeah, excited to get back to it. Thank you, sir. Yeah, but look... It- We'll see. It's it's hard to tell. I, I thought when Vrabel – I thought Vrabel was going to be the guy. I thought for sure he was going to be the guy. And we get John Mayo. And I, like I said earlier, uh, he's got a great reputation. 
not just as a player, but as a, as a coach as well. He's done some really good things to that defense. And the players seem to have a really strong connection with him. He seems, especially with this like newer generation of athlete, it's always, they seem to gravitate more towards people who have been there and done that. And Gerard Mayo has been there and done that. So he's not the youngest coach in NFL history. And we'll see how it works. I mean, I, I don't really know. Atlanta could be a spot for Bill Belichick too. It's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up because he's someone's going to lock up Big Bill for sure. And I, I talked to somebody, I talked to somebody at the CrossFit gym I work out at, who was also a former Massachusetts native, and we talked about this. I was like, "Look, we already know what's going to happen. Like, this is what happens to us all the time. Bill Belichick is going to go sign with somebody else, and then that team's going to go win the friggin' Super Bowl next year." And we're going to be like, oh, you suck. I can't believe you let this guy go because that's what Boston sports is all about. We sit there. We think we're so smart. We throw out all these things. We are the most be careful what you wish for sports city in the world. Because then when it happens, because I remember when everyone's like, get Tom Brady out of here. This guy's he's cooked. He's done. And then he goes to Tampa, wins the Super Bowl. And I'm just like, yeah, I guess he wasn't done. That's just what always seems to happen. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Good hire. I think, I think people, especially New England fans, need to be patient with this hire. I don't think this is a thing he's going to turn around in the season. They got to get some offensive weapons and fast. I'm happy with the defense. There's obviously things they can improve on. I think Gerard will help that defense get better and stronger. He will have a big voice within that defense. But, boy, they need offensive playmakers badly. Absolutely. But all right, everybody. Thank you all very much. Reminder 1 p.m. Eastern, preview show for UFC Vegas 84. We will see you then. Thank you all for the very thoughtful calls. And we'll be back here on this program on Tuesday. And we'll start the road to UFC 297, which should be a lot of fun. So thank you all very much. Back on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Friday and have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.